Hello survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 12 of the show and in this edition we'll be starting our long journey through the live action film series, sometimes referred to as the Anderson-verse, starting with 2002's Resident Evil and 2004's Resident Evil Apocalypse. My name is Sonyak, you can just call me Cy, and joining me on the panel this week, his business is life itself, it's Adam Russell Reeves. <laughs> hey guys. He considers himself freelance. It's Serial Box 64, Jordan Sugru. Hello, hello. Mother Huffer, please. His junk is custom. It's Firebutton Steve Valance. Hello. And guesting on the podcast for the second time, you're all going to die down here. It's James, a.k.a. Moist Owlet. Hello. This episode of the podcast is being recorded live in the First Aid Spray Discord server, which you can join now to hear unedited podcasts and contribute to the conversation in the text chat, as well as talk to us and other Resident Evil fans about the series. It's also a good place to put yourself forward for the file readings to appear in the show and to ask questions for our bite-sized discussion segment. You can find a link to the server in the description of this podcast or on all of our social media accounts. So, before we get into film discussion, we have some breaking news, in fact, to discuss, so let's move right on into the news. So yeah, chaps, it's a slow news day, as you can imagine, with a, a new game. Project Resistance has been announced and is to be fully unveiled on September 9th. Uh, according to the Gamatsu article, it's apparently going to be on PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC. And that is literally all we know, bar some questionably sourced screenshots. <laughs> Yeah, so obviously we discussed this talk on our previous episode about a new game being tested. This is most likely what that is. They want to announce it before the test thing happens because it's not exactly a very fanfare way to announce your game. Um, but there will be a trailer. It's September 9th um, over in the west side of the world. I think it's about 4pm um, in the UK, but it's midnight on the 10th in Japan. It's going to be a short trailer, and then the game will be getting live demonstrations over Tokyo Game Show, about 40-minute demonstrations over September 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. Project Resistance is, I guess, a working title, but who knows exactly what that, you know, what it's going to be, but I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. Uh, most likely we'll get the name then as well. And as you pointed out, yeah, I just wanted to give the shout out to Mr. Spencer who pointed out to me that the Steam logo is on the official website for this game, which is a good sign as well for PC gamers. Questionable that the Switch logo is missing, but considering what we perhaps know what the game is going to be from some sort of leaked screenshots, that maybe it makes sense that it's not going to be on the Switch, at least not right away. Um, Steve, what do you reckon of this one? Uh, holding my breath, to be honest with you. I, I feel like if they're going for a multiplayer angle, it could go one of a handful of ways. It could be, obviously, the Outbreak 2 everyone wants, the Operation Raccoon City 2 everyone wants, an entirely new, uh, new direction on mobile games. That's not two things. Oops. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 I get the strangest feeling it's going to be a mobile game, and I, I don't know why. I just oh. I get that kind of energy to it. And the but, screenshots don't give that imagery. I get you that. I, I mean, I don't know, wouldn't be really... Sure, why the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One logo would be oh, on the website. Oh, yeah, of course. No, I, I didn't realise that until just reading the article. Just, oh, man. Can you tell I, I had slept very well? Well, <laughs> at yeah, least sorry. you kind of went, this is what the worst case scenario could have been, so be happy what we've got. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, 
for some reason, I was thinking, what if they just do that Walking Dead Pokemon Go game with Resident Evil monsters? But then seeing the actual console things, yeah, you're right, it can't be. So it's probably going to be an L4D knockoff or Operation Raccoon City 2 or Outbreak 2. That's my take. Yeah, it's uh, looking from the, the screenshots, which are um, YouTube, YouTube thumbnails that people have grabbed from a link that is up at the moment for the upcoming live stream. It appears to be a group of four survivors, uh, you know, teens, 20-year-olds, just normal-looking dudes. So you've got, obviously, people talking about Outbreak in this case. Um, but yeah, it definitely seems to be some sort of multiplayer focus. What do you reckon of this one, Adam? Um, having just woke up to it... Um... <laughs> I it definitely gives me a an outbreak kind of vibe just from the the pictures. Um I it looks like it's you know going to be a, I don't know why I get that feeling. It just the characters look um I'm trying to find the words for it. They they just look not main character if that mm-hmm. makes sense. They look like not generic um, but yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, like this is a group of people as opposed to this is the dude or this is, you know, X person. So I, hopefully it will be. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. I mean, they definitely have kind of like gained a pretty good reputation over 7 and 2 Remake, but something about this makes me feel like they can throw it all away again pretty easily. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, the series doesn't exactly have a great history with multiplayer games. I mean, the most recent one being Umbrella Core was not even really a game. It was just a mess. And then (laughs) before that, Operation Raccoon City as well was very mixed. And it's, yeah, I don't know. Um, But at the same time, it's kind of cool to have a new spin-off, I suppose. Jordan, what do you think? Uh, I think... In in terms of what we should expect, I think it could be closer to Umbrella Core than just about anything else. Not to say that it's going to be down the same a- avenue. I just think that the way that they are announcing it um, and the way they're kind of approaching it just kind of feels like it's a smaller project. Mm. Um, as much as I would be happy for um, anything that kind of apes Left 4 Dead because, you know, Valve don't want to make one. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I I just don't know. Um, I I think it will probably be something that just sort of, it has the name, it has zombies, and it has your kind of your typical kind of uh, online shooter gameplay. But I think besides that, it's not going to be anything that like core Resident Evil fans are necessarily going to clamber for. I, I really kind of in a, in a way, I almost hope it isn't uh, Outbreak Three because that would surely deserve a kind of greater sort of announcement if you know what i mean yeah some some kind of like better treatment that it's going to be something a bit more of a robust title but then again it's it's listed for you know next gen consoles and that it it could completely surprise me but i'm metering my expectations yeah it's a weird one because i feel like if they called it outbreak three i mean there's a tend in the industry to pull away from stuff like that when you're bringing out new games where they'll drop subtitles and stuff and 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 sequentially numbering things just because it's easier for new fans to jump right in and not think oh it's three i'm not interested but at the same time as was pointed out on our server uh by lionheart they have actually copyrighted or or sort of relaunched the Outbreak website. It just is literally just a blank page that says, okay, but ResidentEvilOutbreak.com <laughs> exists. So maybe, maybe, but it, it's very, yeah, it's co-op based looking at the images, definitely. And when we talked about it before, I was like, oh, if it's a multiplayer game, maybe it's sort of a, a team-based 
Overwatch kind of thing, but it looks closer to Left 4 Dead or Outbreak, definitely. Uh, James, what's your thoughts on this? Um, I mean, as with everybody else, like a, there's not really much information. Um, but just looking at the like the screenshots and the four-player co-op thing, and with recent news with the Predator game as well, I think it might be kind of similar to the Evolve game potentially, oh, right, yeah. like yeah, the four-player right, yeah. versus yeah. one monster, because I mean, there's a lot of monsters in. Resident Evil, you know, big big monsters, so you can use that. I don't know anything about Outbreak, unfortunately, so I don't know what that game is. But uh, yeah, I mean, without going too deep into it, because I can't really, that's everything I can surmise about it, because there isn't much information. Mm. Well, it won't be too long until we know more. Like we say, the teaser trailer is September 9th, and then a few days after that, we'll be getting like live gameplay demonstrations. So the next time we record, uh, we will probably be able to talk a lot more about specifically what it is. I mean, it's got to be fairly far along if they've got gameplay to show, right? Absolutely, I expect so. If the um, if the so-called annual Resident Evil release uh, idea is alive and well, I would expect, yeah, you'll probably get whatever this is early next year, and then we'll move on forward to whatever they've been working on in the meantime. I feel like this is definitely a kind of stop-gap release in a way. Not that it's necessarily a bad thing either. Well then, I suppose it's now to bring back to the cornerstone of the podcast, talking about... <laughs> potential Resident Evil cinematic endeavours. And we've got a quote from, I believe his name is Johannes Johannes Roberts, offering his first quote on the film, and it is, we are in active development of that at the moment. I pitched them a take, and they really loved it. So we are just gearing up on that as we speak. Really. I'm in the office all the time there. So yeah, it's great. It's going to be super scary. It's super, super scary. And it's just getting back to the roots of the game. I think at the moment, I'm not really allowed to say much more than that, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, stop asking me about buckets of sand. Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, uh, what do we think of that, boys? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but also it's so early days. I just hate that oh, it's going to be super scary. It's like you haven't even cast anything, let alone shot anything. You, you can't really, <laughs> like, oh, but okay, getting back to the roots of the game is obviously the part of the quotes there, which is either going to excite or really terrify people. I, uh, I'm kind of like, it's just a catch all phrase. We're going back to our roots. Yeah, I'm sure that worked for Sonic 06, didn't it? <laughs> you know, it. Ugh. I'm skeptical, but I always am when it's... Well, we're going to get into this later on the podcast, but yeah, me and Resident Evil films have a history. (laughs) Resident Evil films have a history, let's be honest. (laughs) You know, I was thinking as I was watching, obviously the two films that we're going to be reviewing today, I was thinking about the fact that they kind of came out before a time of sort of the internet really kind of um, opening up and, you know, social media kind Mm. of being able to lead to things like campaigns and stuff like that. And obviously we've seen with things like, um, you know, the upcoming Sonic film, you know, studios making changes to films based on feedback before it, it's ever released in that. And it made me think as I was watching the films, which is no indicator of what I may or may not think about these first two films. <laughs> but as I was watching them, I was thinking, would they make it to, what was it, like six films? Would they make it to six films if they just started coming out now? And um, the reason I say all this is because this whole idea of kind of like, we're going to go back to the roots or, you know, hit the reset button is for the last few years, it's been a more uh, popular trend. I mean, I think, I think even, you know, back when the uh, second Hulk film was made for the, you know, the Marvel universe, it, it was that it was that case of 
a, a portion of the marketing uh, or talk was based around, listen, we've heard you. You didn't like the, what you saw last time. We're going to try and fix it. Um, so, yeah, it is kind of it is a generic term of sort of almost reassurance that this time it's going to be right. But, yeah, who, who knows, really? Um, because I think everybody has a slightly different idea about what a Resident Evil film really is, which obviously we'll be getting into. Mm. Yeah, I mean... When you say back to the roots of the game, is that talking about story and characters at all? Or are we just talking about general feel and what exactly does that mean to certain people? Personally, if they're no, going to make new films, I really would rather they didn't adapt existing stories and they did something original. But who knows? I think it means the, the level of CG will be akin to the original PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> the first 10 minutes of the film are all going to be in black and white and badly dubbed. <laughs> is, is it going to be like Resident Evil 2's cutscenes where like it's it's live action at one point and then it just kind of it cuts to black for a second and then goes to FMV? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We're going to be casting bits of wood as the characters. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. The, that's what they mean. Like the script is on par <laughs> with the original Resident Evil. I I think um I mean let's be honest. I mean what what he said, he didn't really say a thing, you know, mm. like he didn't he didn't say anything with what he said and and like don't tell me a film's gonna be quote unquote super scary because we know it isn't. Like we know <laughs> it's not gonna be super scary. Like they don't have like it's it's just not going to be. It might be good, but I doubt it will be anything groundbreaking or, you know, yeah. it will be another schlocky kind of exercise in, um, you know, Hollywood not understanding video games. I'm going to throw out a prediction. Go on. I'm going to throw out a prediction. I think it's going to be an, basically an adaptation of Resident Evil 4. I think I think they're just going to look at the numbers and they're just going to say, you know what, we're just going to we're just going to make Resident Evil for the movie. Mm. I could see it taking a lot of influence from something like that, definitely. And uh, and it will be it will be as silly as the, that that game can get. You know, there will be a giant fish. <laughs> Some line about bingo. <laughs> but but Resident Evil Four hasn't really had much of a presence in the films, despite the fact it's obviously yeah. it's one of the most popular games. So I I feel like they could look back at that and they'd be like, oh yeah, like you know, let's pick this out. Everybody knows this, and yeah, it's in, it's it's you know old enough for people to get nostalgic about it. You know, that's just my cynical look on it. Ah, the I, big keys <laughs> now <laughs> cinematic screens. I agree with you, actually, Jordan. I think that it's funny that they haven't sort of approach Resident Evil 4 sort of when you when you kind of look at the the game in a vacuum it has the most Hollywood film style plot line you know president's daughter is kidnapped by some weird terrorist slash cult organization it's it's classic movie fodder so it's funny that that kind of never got looked into I'd imagine Paul Anderson thought it was too on the nose yeah, probably. <laughs> the idea of Paul Anderson thinking anything's on the nose at this point is no, no, bewildering. No, no, no. <laughs> if it was a, if if anything that Anderson did was any more on the nose, it would be lodged in his sinus. <laughs> <laughs> right, and at that point, I think it's time to begin discussing the Resident Evil cinematic 
I almost said universe. God help us if that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> and now, reading the file B.O.W. report from Resident Evil Zero, Hunty Licious, who you can find at castingcool.club slash m slash Hunty Licious. Research to date has shown that when the progenitor virus is administered to living organisms, violent cellular changes causes a breakdown in the system. Furthermore, no satisfactory method has been found to control the organisms for use as weapons. Clearly, greater coordination at the cellular level is essential to enable further growth. I conducted a number of experiments in an effort to find a breakthrough. This is my report. Insecta. Perhaps because these ancient animals have been genetically stable for millennia, when administered with the progenitor virus, they exhibit only explosive, high-energy growth and increased aggressiveness. It is extremely difficult to envision using them as a B.O.W. Amphibia. Injecting a frog with the virus resulted in an increase in leaping power and abnormal tongue growth. However, no change in mental ability was observed. Furthermore, an abnormal appetite resulted in the test subject randomly attacking all moving objects. Usefulness for BOW is limited. Mammalia The progenitor virus was merged with the monkey's cellular DNA, resulting in increased fertility. The resulting young exhibited improved aggressiveness and some increased mental capacity. As a side effect, visual power was lost, but this was offset by an improvement in hearing ability. However, they were unsatisfactory as weapons. It does seem that no progress can be made without making humans the base organism. Okay, so the original Resident Evil film released in March 21st, 2002, after many, many years of being talked around, after the Resident Evil 2 live-action commercial that was shot for Japan, uh, directed by George A. Romero. Um, Capcom approached him about writing a film. He put together a script, but ultimately it was rejected. We'll probably talk more about that script in some future content as well, so watch this space. But unfortunately, the head of the company that held the rights to a Resident Evil film basically said no and, and used his veto on that, despite the fact that people internally enjoyed it. And he picked Paul W.S. Anderson to direct the project instead. Uh, Anderson at the time was obviously known for Mortal Kombat, which released in 1995 and was the most successful video game movie at the time. Um, I, I guess it didn't have too much com competition at that point anyway, not like these days, but to be fair, Mortal Kombat, the film, is still half decent as a bit of B-movie fluff. Uh, but obviously off the back of that, they wanted him to adapt another movie, which is funny because he said himself that he'd already written a screenplay for Resident Evil, uh, more like a knockoff, and this, uh, this original script that he wrote was the basis for what became the final film. When the film was released, it pulled in $17 million on its opening weekend. It didn't release until the summer of that year in the UK, but overall it grossed $40 million domestically and $102 million, nearly $103 million worldwide, against its budget of $33 million. Uh, its Rotten Tomatoes score is 35% at the time of talking, uh, which makes it the second highest score for the franchise, I believe, after the last film. So... Obviously, I want to go around the room now and ask everyone what their sort of initial reaction was to it uh, being announced, coming out. What was your sort of original 
experience with the with the original film. So, uh, Adam, how did you how did you feel about the first film as it came to be? Um, this is I I went and watched it in the theater. Um, I. I when I when I heard about it I definitely was not overly excited about it though. Uh I knew it wasn't really going to be Resident Evil. Like I just I knew that probably wasn't going to happen. Um but you know back in the day, you know, make me sound old I guess, but it was so rare to to get any kind of video game uh media outside of video games um that it was kind of an event anyway it was like oh you know we got and i think that's probably why it did so well Mm. um that you know like you were saying mortal Kombat was previous to that and that was one that he had done and and that was one i enjoyed definitely i mean i enjoyed it probably for all the wrong reasons um but it definitely made me interested to see resident evil and and I didn't think it was... I mean, it ended up being less of the video game than Mortal Kombat was, so... Um, that's that's <laughs> but we'll fair. We'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. But, um, but yeah, I was tentatively excited. I didn't think it was going to be a good movie, but I was. I definitely went and watched it opening night. Um, Jordan, how about you? Um... Yeah, so this is actually like my first experience with the film. Like for this podcast, I watched both the first and second film for the first time. Um, but when it was announced, obviously I was um, I was familiar, obviously, you know, with the series to a degree. I didn't obviously start playing the games till a bit later. Um, but as, as soon as I kind of I had seen enough to kind of tell that they were going in a different uh, direction. And like they were using a lot of original characters, kind of tuned out from it to be quite honest, because I thought yeah. it was pretty cool. Um, you know, I I knew about you know, and I'd played Resident Evil Two at the time, um, so I was familiar to an extent. But obviously, it didn't look a whole lot like Resident Evil Two, so I just kind of tuned out because it's kind of like oh, I've seen enough sort of like video game movies that don't necessarily stay as uh, faithful as possible. So to be honest. For years, the the most interaction I had with the film was um, that Slipknot music video that played all the time <laughs> on Kerrang. That was it. Um, so from the outset, I was not that interested in it. I, I thought it was a bit sort of, I don't know, sort of generic uh, film adaptation of a video game, kind of missing the point somewhat. And it kind of did, but we'll get into that. James, what about you? So, I I'm kind of unique in the way that I didn't know anything about the Resident Evil universe when it came out. But like Adam was saying, I was really excited because it was a computer game that was being made into a film, and I was super into games at the time, as we all were. Right, so I was like, "Wow, this is going to open up." I mean, well, I think I was uh, 16 at the time, right, aging myself. But so I couldn't go to the cinema to see it. But I really enjoyed it. Um, I, re- I really did enjoy it when I went to see it. Uh, it's cool. It was a cool action movie. I was also 16, so my idea of a good movie was vastly different to what it is now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So uh, it's my opinion has changed a little bit. Uh, 
I'm being sarcastic. It's changed a lot um, in that time. But yeah, so I, I did like it when it first came out. And I was excited about the future of video game movies. Steve, what about you? Well, uh, this originally mostly slipped under my radar until around the time of summer in 2002, when a friend of mine gave me a bootleg VHS copy of the film. <laughs> now, yeah, it, it had a Chinese, I want to say Chinese, uh, you know, text at the bottom. So you can tell where we probably got it from. And I, I was a similar age to uh, Mr. James, and I, I, I kind of enjoyed it, but at the same time, I'm not sure why. Because I was like constantly going, why are they using liquors? Hunters are so much better. And stuff like that. <laughs> and then, obviously, the music kicks in, and it was like, oh, wow, this is a blast. Did I see a boom mic? And then, <laughs> yeah, that, that's literally it. I just I was constantly at odds with, like, I had two halves of my brain, one half liking it, one half disliking it. Situation has changed dramatically now. But at the time, it was a film that mostly just on my radar, and I'm going, oh, a Resident Evil film. Oh, it's a Resident Evil film. Ooh, oh, oh, oh. And, and uh, <laughs> that's where we are today. Also, piracy is wrong. All the support is <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear JJ's thing. I was, I was giving, giving it, it, so I'm sort you of... wouldn't download a car, Steve. <laughs> wouldn't download a car. <laughs> Especially piracy by VHS. I mean, a lot of hard work has gone into stealing that film. (laughs) (laughs) My first experience is very similar, I think. Um, I would have been a bit younger. uh, So when it first came out, I I didn't go and see it at the cinema. I think I rented it probably on VHS first or something like that. Um, After sort of seeing bits and pieces online and screen caps and stuff and having, I think, similar reactions in that I was kind of confused about why it looked a certain way, but also I just wanted to be excited because, like you guys said, it was a video game movie. It didn't even matter that it was Resident Evil, even though I was a Resident Evil fan at the time. I was just excited that it was a video game movie for one thing. I remember it even like really vaguely. I remember it kind of being talked about in the media and it would come up on like mo- like just like shows, news shows as the fluff piece on the entertainment. It was like, oh, and the the new video game movies coming out, like it was like a revelation that a video game was being turned into a film. I remember like being shouted into the room to come look at it, like talking about the film that you know and all that. So it was it was this special thing almost in a way. Um, and it, it felt like it was going to be a real turning point. Um, but yeah, I did enjoy it when it came out for what it was. I, I remember like trying to sort of in my head make it canonical. I was like, okay, maybe there's an outbreak in the forest (laughs) and then there's one at the same time and all this stuff to the point where um, we're getting into specifics now, but at the end of the film, obviously you get Alice walking through the city and there's a newspaper that she walks past that's sort of like on a window or something. I can't remember. I remember like pausing the VHS to see what the date was on the uh, newspaper. Alas, it's 2002. So my my hopes of it being canonical were dashed uh, very quickly. (laughs) But I, yeah, I, so I obsessed over it a fair bit until that point. And for what it's worth, uh, my, yeah, my opinion has changed as well. But I think overall, this film is probably the best one of the lot. Yep. So um, when I was watching them, I, I actually just rewatched them both last night. And um, I watched them with, like, you can get the, this Amazon special edition. I, I have, like, Amazon Prime. And there's a way to watch it where. As you watch it, it throws IMDb trivia right, up yeah. onto the screen while you watch it. So I watched it with that. So uh, I'll just interject every now and then Excellent. with some trivia, probably. I love it. If that's cool. <laughs> and I'm going to start. 
<laughs> I'm going to start with this awesome piece of IMB, IMDb trivia because it's at the start of the of the movie here. And it's the main actors were told to prepare for the film by getting copies of the game and playing through it. Um, some of the actors didn't know if they could complete them, so they just watched videos of other people completing it. How upset were those actors that they spent the time playing or watching the game to then... I, I Yeah. You know what I'm it's, saying. It's, you uh, you play mean, Resident Evil through to the end and you're like, I am ready for this film. And then you... <laughs> you, and you and then do you your first it. table read and it's completely unrelated. Wait, it doesn't well, even have a like... character. Doesn't even have a character from the film in. Mm. Like, Not... play this, watch this game played, and then go to a movie that doesn't even have one iota of resemblance. Almost. Why is there no message of sandwiches? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I'm trying to think of what game they could actually give them to 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 experience that would be close to the <laughs> film. It's like, how on earth did these actors from 2002 get copy of Umbrella Corps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's fairly obvious that this game is essentially a cash in uh, on the name. You've got some like really it adapts sort of framework of Resident Evil more than anything else. Raccoon City, T Virus, Zombies as a liquor in it. That's basically as far as it gets in terms of really being anything like Resident Evil. Underground Lab, maybe I guess, uh, and that, that's pretty much it. It's weird because whilst it cashes in on Resident Evil as a name, I feel like, and I know I've got some people in the podcast that will totally get where I'm coming from here, like so many other films and other video game films, looking at you, Doom, which came out three years later, it cashes in on Aliens. It's just an Aliens ripoff. It's just, we'll get a bunch of soldiers, they'll fight monsters, they'll get picked off one by one the end. And it and it is just the studio being like we're gonna we're gonna make our own one of them and we're gonna call it Resident Evil. That's exactly what it feels like. And yeah, it's the most original one of the set. <laughs> Strange, isn't it? <laughs> Since we're on the subject of um, kind of uh, our first impressions, because I had no idea, my only experience at the time was playing Resident Evil Three, and it was only for an hour because it scared the bejesus out of me, so I stopped playing it. Right, but. I had no idea who Alice was at the time, but I kept seeing Jill and Claire, of course, because they're big characters, right? So I thought that Alice was an amalgamation <laughs> of Jill and Claire, right? Which is why yeah. now, yeah. <laughs> which is why now, like my opinions changed because it's like, well, I mean, a lot of things have changed, but like, it's it's like, wow, she doesn't actually exist at all. Like that blew my mind. Mm. Like she doesn't exist. But who is she? Why is she there? <laughs> yeah, Alice is the amalgamation of a kid's drawing when you ask them what their special abilities are and then the kid talks for 30 minutes about how the character can basically do anything they like <laughs> so, I mean, oh, you know, like what, what's its special ability? oh, this is Alice, she likes to eat the sun <laughs> oh <laughs> No, this is Alice. No reason why she can do that. I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah. T virus can make you do it. <laughs> She's not above kicking a dog in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Messiah Nix in our servers, in fair play to him, actually did say um, 
everything about the live action movie screams shoehorned in. Characters from the games are nothing like their counterparts, obviously referring to later entries. Bioweapons are put in with no explanation, and Alice is basically the ultimate Mary Sue. And backing him up on that as well, I'm sure I think it was Rhythm said something along the lines of, uh, "Oh, there it is. I can totally get behind the idea of hijack a movie franchise just to go. I love my wife, <laughs> and also as <laughs> evil whatever." <laughs> well, this is this is. Um, I mean, they met on this. Movie, That's right. So it it's. I'm, I think it's definitely possible that, and I wouldn't put it past like. So, like such a not low budget because it wasn't a low budget but i feel like paul ws anderson probably had the reins as much as he wanted to on this movie um i wouldn't be surprised if he basically just fell in love with her and was like just amped her up to the next level so that she felt awesome or whatever you know to be like well you she can do this and she can do this and so on and so forth what scene did you think made like him fall in love with her was it the kick in the dog in the face <laughs> no it's when she falls off the uh hospital bed and you see a little flash of her <laughs> i was gonna say exactly the same thing like right at the beginning where she's putting the robe on there's a there's a nip slip there and that was that was the moment where everything was set in stone for the next 10 years so like, this is the I, I was gonna say like it, it was the moment that she yelled a whole bunch probably <laughs> Well, I mean, we're on characterization at this point, so for what it's worth, we should discuss Alice and the others as well. Um, I feel like uh, she, I mean, it's, yeah, this one she has kind of the most character in. Um, and as someone who watched this film as a kid and was very easily impressed, sort of the plot line that she had with this was actually quite interesting to me. Yeah, okay, she wakes up with amnesia and that's the most rubbish thing of all, like, what a cop-out. But the idea that she has to piece it together, that she's in a marriage, which turns out to kind of be a false marriage for the sake of working for Umbrella, and it's all a ruse, basically, so they're covering this lab. But also, she's working inside for someone else, and she's going to steal the virus. I thought it was really a really interesting take. Um, it's not the super, like the most complex thing, but for a film that's basically just about fighting off zombies, it, there's a little bit more to this than the later ones, which just become like action slideshows. I'd say she's the most vulnerable in this film for obvious reasons. She doesn't have a superpowers, but she does actually have a character. Like she actually seems fragile in points, and she's like panicking as opposed mm. to always cool, collected in a murder machine. Um, but this, there's also some well, brain dead stuff like kicking dogs in the face. <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, I don't know. I, I like the, the amnesia thing. The whole story about like she's meant to be stealing the virus and things. It it adds a bit more depth than, shall we say, certain other Resident Evil characters we've had in the main series, but that's literally her only strength for me. Yeah, that's where um, it stops, unfortunately. Yeah, she has a reason for why she's doing these things, and then it all goes off the rails. How do we feel about the other characters? Because obviously, um, like I said, this is really just um, military dudes get picked off film. Uh, you have some sort of, I, I don't know if it's ever expressly said that they're USS soldiers, but it's based pretty much on that. Um, a little patch on their uniform says sanitation. They're janitors. That's, that's they're right. It. Yeah. So you've got some characters there, um, like one and Rain and Kaplan and so on. Some with like varying degrees of how much I remember their name kind of based on how important they are. <laughs> Let's be honest. There's several of them that die before they even get a name drop. In fact, if I, to be fair, I'm not even sure most of them even get their name said in the film. Oh, I remember Kaplan. 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 Yeah, yeah, Kaplan. Kaplan's the one Expense. that goes... 
That, that really was the only name that I could remember yes. from the um, the exposition squad as as I them. <laughs> <laughs> they have um, a whole segment at the start of the film where it, it really just feels like the kind of most basic screenplay. I get what they were trying to do. I get what Anderson was trying to do and trying to you know shove as much of the uh, the law and the kind of conditions around um, the incidents with Resident Evil as possible into a film that's in meant for a general audience and so it just puts all of that information into this squad explaining it to alice like she's a toddler just telling her the kind of the basic premise of what happens in raccoon city and um yeah just those characters obviously they just come across a bit sort of like military grunts Mm. looking at them and you're just seeing an expendable cast every (laughs) character in this movie is is um 100 a stereotype there's not there's not a character in this movie that displays anything outside of the very small box that his he's written into or or she is written into there's there's nothing there even the 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 heel turn at the end of the movie is is super obvious um But I mean, that's that's not what you watch this movie for. So I, I'm not going to complain too much. But yeah, there's there's nothing to this movie. The, the, none, this movie could have been filmed without any dialogue. If you imagine <laughs> watching it without dialogue, it would be the same movie. There is no dialogue that makes. I'm not joking. There's no dialogue that makes any impact on the actual movie or the storyline or anything. It's all just quips and just trash talk about nonsense. Yeah, it's true. I'm um, trying to remember at least one line from the film, and I. You're all going to die down here. Is pretty. Much, you're all going to die it down last here. Night. I watched it last night, and that's all I can remember from the whole movie. And <laughs> that's all Rodriguez, that happens. Michelle Rodriguez saying, "I'm not dead yet." You know, <laughs> just those those yeah. fantastic pearls of screenplay gold. You know. Also, it heard just way talking... better if also the Red heard... Queen had just said, four of you are going to die in a corridor in this movie." <laughs> 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 But like Rain, Michelle Rodriguez, just the bit I always cringed at, and even as a six-year-old, cringy sixteen-year-old, um, I was on like when uh, Michelle Rodriguez is on top of those pipes and starts just feeding the zombies her blood, <laughs> and is saying those really cringy words of "Yeah, you like the taste of that? Yes, you like the taste of that." I was like, "That's a bit weird." Yeah, it's a bit weird. <laughs> it's That's but... the pre-zombified neck crunch. That's just yeah. Mm. That one mm-hmm. sticks out in my mind, definitely. But I mean, to be fair to Rodriguez, she is playing, you know, the best role of her life, which is Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, this it's... is this is definitely her era as well. She was in a lot of uh, early two thousands movies, and I was I was kind of used to seeing that kind of like character from her, sort mm-hmm. of like tomboyish girl that really doesn't take no. Sh- yeah, she it's was IMDb the... trivia time, boys oh. and girls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one second. I there is no it. trivia. There is nothing. There is no trivia. <laughs> uh, Michelle Rodriguez actually had told her agent if a Resident Evil film is ever made to basically throw her name in for it. So, pre Resident Evil being a movie. She obviously is a fan, and she had asked, "Hey, if they make a movie on this, like, get me in it." So that's what happened. Oh, this, this is 
This is why I love Michelle Rodriguez, obviously. That's the reason. <laughs> exactly. I mean, she got good billing, let's be honest. Um, she's in mo- like most of the promotional material and stuff. Um, and obviously, she's the big star, really. Uh, it's um, yep. Mila Jovovich, but at the time, like, like Jordan said, Michelle Rodriguez was a hot commodity. And out of the cast, she's the, the biggest person on that list, given the time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I personally, I'll always have a space in my heart for Kaplan. I have no idea what other stuff that guy's in, but I just love him as Kaplan, as like this nervous, nerdy dude. It's a stereotype, but he gets so much screen time that I just can't. It's just like, yeah, no, he's the best one, definitely. He's, he's the only one I can really empathize <laughs> with. Because I know well, I know why he's there and I know what he's trying mm. to do. And there's 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 motivations and there's points. Everybody else either doesn't remember who they are or what they're doing, um, or they're just slumped <laughs> to the side, you know, slowly dying. It's you you're actually right as well, because the character of one who is played by Colin Salmon is just fulfilled leader role who does the most exposition. It's not exactly much to grab onto there. I think there's the other female from the team who's the lady the who yeah, exactly right. She gets a head cut off. She's the medic. I don't know if that's expressly stated or shown in any way, but I think her name kind of implies it or something. So there is a medic, but she dies instantly. So there's nothing to grab onto there. But yeah, since, since he actually, <laughs> since he, <laughs> since Kaplan actually has a role in his team and he gets to execute some of that, that's why he's uh, the best one. Definitely, that's the one that you can actually. The best grab one. On. He's the best one with capital. He is the best one. <laughs> uh, would you have loved him? So- IMDb trivia. Yep. Would you have loved him so much if he was just referred to as 12? Oh. Um, in the original oh, no. script, his name was Isaiah Tagawa Mercurio. <laughs> so that's exciting. Thanks, <laughs> IMDb, for telling me that. Wow. There's, there's, there's more complexity just in his name than there was in any part of the script. <laughs> oh, man. Fair play to him, though. He sees his entire squad get rinsed and thinks, mm, I'm going to go on the death corridor now. <laughs> I guess we should we should probably talk about that. The laser corridor is the most that well-remembered was definitely scene. The st- yeah, the most remembered scene, um, for sure. Like, obviously, that's... I mean, I feel like if you brought up with people, hey, do you remember the Resident Evil movie? People would talk about Red Queen and the laser grid. Um, I don't know why that is... Just maybe it was kind of unique for its time. I feel like the CG at the time was actually quite good in that scene. Perhaps that's what it was. Um, like in the extent that they only really showed enough. They didn't go if, it, if they'd have shown too much, then it would have been really bad. But they only show you enough for it to be kind of creepy. Um, I mean, they fade out, don't they? They do a lot of blurring. For example, when yeah, when you, Simon gets cubed. Exactly yeah, right. Okay. You see a bit of his face, then it blurs, and then he all yeah, falls apart. They, so they, they can, uh, they're kind they of focusing on the, the right. background as opposed to the foreground, and that's what makes it look good. good. Yeah, because they're yeah, not yeah, yeah, drawing absolutely. attention. It actually looks. I agree. It looks. Re- I think for two thousand and two, like this scene actually looks really good. I think they did a good job on it. So it, it was strange with the, this film because there were a lot of really good CGI moments for the time. Um, but there are also some really awful ones. Like there was, um, <laughs> yes, yes, like when the yes. when the liquor first comes out of the container, it looks like <laughs> a tiny little baby liquor, right? But then, cut about twenty twenty five minutes later, you see the liquor on the ceiling as it's just about to jump on Spence, and it actually looks pretty good, right? But then, yeah, it's just it's just inconsistent, inconsistent. Yeah. I think the liquor looked best when it was like a model inside a tube, and you just see tubes going into a brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
that mm. that actually looked like it was practical. So that's probably why it looked a little bit better. Like they actually, exactly. you know, spent a little bit of money to get a fake looking brain. Um, but but yeah, the 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 CGI obviously it's not stellar. Um, seeing the liquor, um, seriously, I, I I saw like when the liquor first comes out of its chamber, it really did feel like that Resident Evil Damnation cover. You know, artwork not final. <laughs> I thought I can't believe it. It's come to life. Um, it was very rough. That I mean, yeah, even yeah, even back back when I when I watched it, obviously on the big screen, it it was it it was pretty hard to watch that mm. that liquor at certain times. It was it was really bad. Um, but as we'll see by the next film, I feel like they learn a lot yes. uh, in terms of their their CG. Um, what I will say is this: like my one of my the things me and my friends like to do when we watch movies like this, like maybe it's a little morbid, but we like to do like the death count, like oh who died, like how, what was the coolest death, etc. Like what what got me in this movie and and upon rewatching it, really irritated me is like they sent four dudes into like they felt that they needed to kill off four people in that corridor. Did they suddenly realize? Hang on a minute. You know, we have too many cast members. Like, let's just <laughs> let's just kill four of them right now. Like, I f- I feel like and it was unnecessary. Zombies. And not listen. This is my. This is what I wanted to get into. This is my biggest gripe. Is this whole movie like one person fully dies from zombies? One guy gets dragged into the elevator and like chowed down on, and that's it. That's really. I mean, I'm not counting biting and then dying later because that's a cop out mm. um so this so really you know you kill four people in a corridor and you have one dude killed by zombies it's kind of trash um one guy dies of shock i've never seen a horror movie where a guy dies of shock so that's pretty cool um, <laughs> the guy uh, in the laser grid who gets his fingers cut off and then just dies apparently from having <laughs> his fingers cut off his eyes cross and he kind of dies um also, what kind of trash security system doesn't just do the laser grid the first time? <laughs> Queen's a psycho, though. I mean, it plays with the elevator at the start, doesn't it? Rather than just yeah, it does. Right. It is. It does show that it's kind of a. Well, the funny yeah. thing is, is the scene directly before the um, the corridor scene, they give you some fun exposition where they're like, "Well, the Red Queen can listen and can learn and and is going to defend itself." So then as the four guys go into the corridor, I think it is Kaplan that's like, this is what we're going to do to disable the Red Queen. And says it out loud. <laughs> so that she clearly hears and shuts them in. Like, he j- they just told you that that's what she does. And then they say out loud, this is what we're going to do. Oh, it's just stupid. The, 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 the film should just not have dialogue. There are some things about the film that I kind of like um, in terms of obviously looking at the balance between horror versus action, it's not really a horror film, but it does try at least in places. Like, it's kind of enclosed in areas. It has that sort of ramp up in panic every now and then. Um, and the fact that it focuses on the zombies and that's it. It's the zombies, there's the scene with the zombie dogs and the liquor. It doesn't go totally mental with it. Only problem being, like you said, the zombies don't really pose any threat. when They don't seem to, yeah, they don't seem to matter too much at all. The zombies look pretty good, generally. Um, but they don't really seem to have that much of a threat, which doesn't really help with the horror aspect. There's a few jump scares every now and then. But I hate uh, to interject, but that is one of the biggest gripes I have with this film. Mm. Okay, um, 
there is the big the, the big zombie fight where the liquor gets out at the end of it, right? Yes, that's the one I'm thinking of. Right. JD gets pulled into the elevator and then all of a sudden it just smash cuts to Matt and Alice just walking out and then all of a sudden the other guys are fine. <laughs> There's no real end to that fight. They're just like, and they're okay now. They're yeah. yeah, true. That's yeah, true. The, that's the one zombies, thing that still annoys me about. The zombies um, appear and disappear as and when the script needs them to. Yeah. It is yeah. AI yeah. director being realized um uh, you know on on film uh because yeah i i thought exactly the same thing i thought there was a horde of zombies here before where have they gone i mean that's one thing that you can typically keep quite consistent in zombie films um you know whenever uh you know people get kind of cut off from a certain place maybe they're surrounded those zombies don't go anywhere uh they don't have anywhere else to go um so whenever you kind of cut back to characters in typical zombie films, you're still going to be in that same situation. And if those zombies have been set up in a place, they will typically come back and haunt the characters later on if they ever have to go back through that place. And obviously we know that from the games as well. Um, and, and the film just doesn't seem to respect that at all. It just says, no, these are, these are sh- sh- purely here for whatever the scene needs. As an action scene, it's great up until the point where it doesn't have a conclusion. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. the fact that they're dwindling their resources they realise oh maybe we should shoot them in the head and then obviously people get murdered but there is literally just a cutaway and then another cutaway and also the zombies have gone you know, been called out for lunch uh, literally somewhere else it, it makes no sense and it really does run me the wrong way it's so- gone. bingo yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> well we've got another film to talk about so I guess we should wrap up with some conclusions on this one so uh, let's go around the room again and sort of uh, tie the bow on the first film at least a little bit so uh, James what do you feel about Resident Evil 2002 now now I feel like it is in its completely in its own universe and it's there is no doubt about that obviously Right, and but beforehand, I didn't have that opinion. So that's mm. what's changed for me is that everything's just it's in its own universe, and I can respect that. But at the same time, as a movie, it's not very good because I don't know why Alice is there. Like, there's no point in her being or whatever her name is. There's no point in her being there. And if she is there, why are because all we keep seeing through the through the films are games they keep playing with her. Like and she's the most powerful. She's the Mary Sue, as you said earlier. There's no point. She's the best. But just, just stop. But there is no, there is no, there is no fighting. There's no. She's always gonna win. So just stop. Like that's that's how I feel with each movie. Like, well, she's gonna win anyway. Like there is no hardship for her. Like she's always gonna win. I don't. I never feel like she's gonna lose. Yeah, but. I did like I did like the movie and I still like it in its own universe, but Alice is the one that kind of gets on gets gets on my nerves quite a bit. <laughs> That's unfortunate considering we have five other films to talk about starring her. <laughs> 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 Steve, how do you feel? Um as harsh as I've been, I still think this is the strongest of the Resident Evil films. Uh, in a vacuum, but definitely anyway. Um it's a somewhat more original story than the others. And it touches on themes from, I know we haven't really said this, but Escape from New York with the whole timer aspect and things are run out and the cameras and stuff moving and showing us where people are doing things. And obviously Aliens, which are two of my favorite films. <laughs> the USS guys are the most human 
I have seen Umbrella Staff in any of the Resident Evil franchise, but they're also still unbelievably crap. Um, I like Kaplan, who who can really complain at the guy who literally is the only one speaking any sense and then failing. Uh, Rain's okay, I suppose. JD's a jobber, and poor one gets cubed. Matt's boring. Uh, Alice is okay until she gets sequelized. That's literally my summary of Resident Evil One, the film. Jordan, it's okay. Yeah, Jordan, what's your opinion? Um, I, I, I kind of, I appreciate the effort. Like, there was clearly some work to try and take this series that already had a pretty deep lore um, across the games, you know, that had come before it. Um, and and they, they, you know, I, I feel like Anson did try and create a, a version a context of that to work in a film um but it was very complicated you go in um and it's 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 all a bit of a haze um it doesn't help that your point of view character also has amnesia and has to figure out herself throughout the course of the film so i think it was a bit of a mess and i think that the ending in particular was a bit of a mess because it's immediately sequel baiting you be- before the credits even roll um, and there's no satisfying conclusion to it. You, they, they get back out of the hive, but there's not that typical moment that you have in a horror film where there is some kind of resolution, relax, and then a tease. Um, this was just a kind of, there was one small resolution and then continuation, continuation, continuation. Everything was basically set up for the the sequel. Um, but... Yeah, I mean it's it's serviceable. Like you can watch this, and you know, as long as you don't take it too personally, what it's doing to, you know, Resident Evil as an IP, uh, it's it's an average film. Um, it's it's all right. I mean, I, you know, one thing I won't go in hard on it is for the budget. Uh, I looked up the the production budget, which is obviously thirty three million dollars. Now, in two thousand and two. That's fairly modest for the kind of film that it is. I mean, there's a lot of practical sets. Um, there's lots of there's lots of extras. So, uh, you know, I'd say that that's like a well balanced kind of budget for it. Obviously, the CGI is awful, um, but it was kind of it was in its early days. It almost felt like a bit of a proof of concept, despite the fact that it was a film that was put out there, um, you know, in cinemas across the world. That said, thirty three million for a uh, Resident Evil adapt- adaptation. It's not bad, especially with the return that it got of like almost 103 million. <laughs> Compare a 33 million dollar budget to that of Stuart Little 2 from the same year <laughs> that cost, I cannot believe this, this cost 120 million to make. <laughs> so I will take some shoddy liquor CGI for 33 million and say that the film did a, a decent job. In that respect, and everything else was just sort of average. And Adam, how do you feel? Um, I think I think the like for all for all the the fun we can make of it, I think it's a fine film. Um, you just got to you just got to know what it is when you watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the case with all of these the films in this series. It's stupid. Um, it's annoying at sometimes from from decisions that characters will make, but at the end of the day, it's kind of it was fun to watch it again, um, and it, it it was enjoyable. Um, it it doesn't give me any Resident Evil. I think it's the least Resident Evil 
film of the the series and obviously we'll get into that as we go along um but i think it's a serviceable film um it 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 misses a lot of marks but i i think um i think it it's kind of obviously becomes very much its own thing and that there are certain games in the in the resident evil series that that kind of do the same thing so i'm not going to fault it for that but um i could definitely not watch this one again i think I, i've watched it two times in the past week and uh <laughs> and i think before that the only time i watched it was in the cinema Oof. um and i don't think i need to watch it again so um yeah it's fine if you like stupid movies it's fine yeah, I think I would agree with pretty much the general consensus here being that it's it's just kind of an average sci-fi horror thing. It's it doesn't do too much harm to Resident Evil, um, especially in the fact that it's its own universe. Very clearly, uh, it's it's fine in terms of the ending. I I kind of agree that it sort of rushes itself together there with the the kind of cliffhanger. Honestly, if it had ended there and there wouldn't have been any sequels, that kind of would have been okay to leave it hanging like that. But yeah, the sequel baiting was very strong. So we're going to get right onto that. The only other note I do have to say about this film is the soundtrack. Oh, the soundtrack. 12 or 13 year old me or whatever was very happy by this soundtrack being introduced to bands like Slipknot, Fear Factory and Static X and stuff. So thank you, Resident Evil Film, for informing <laughs> some of my music taste. Marilyn Manson did the score for the movie. That's right, so he did that's the, yeah, the yeah. main theme. Him and him and Marco Beltrami, which um, Marco Beltrami is a typical traditional sort of composer paired up with Marilyn Manson. I, I looked at uh, <laughs> I looked at that on the IMDb and my eyebrows shot into the stratosphere. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, to be fair, there are pieces of the score that I really like. There's this really like horrible, juddering guitar riff that plays during the action scenes that just get stuck in my head sometimes. So, yeah. It's you know. power, everybody. Is- is that what it's called? That's, that's the name of the track, yeah. Excellent. Good to know. <laughs> I, I may or may not have got the album. I will defend that about the film. The soundtrack, the soundtrack is edgy as hell, but I like it. Mate, I, I, mate, I like it as well. To be fair, I remember actually downloading all of the songs for Resident Evil Apocalypse and slapping them on a CD. So <laughs> let's move on to that, I guess. And now, reading the file Memo to New Master from Resident Evil Code Veronica... Zimbo, who you can find at castingcall.club slash m slash Zimbo. Message to the new family master. Sir, Alfred, congratulations on your succession as master of the Ashford family. I hereby present you with an earthenware vase, according to the Ashford family tradition. As you may know... This tradition first began when a butler presented a golden teacup as a commemorative to Veronica. As founder of the Ashwood family, her intelligence and beauty are legendary. The second and third masters, Stanley and his son Thomas, were also presented with similar teacups. It was their hope to achieve glory as Veronica did before them. The position as family master then shifted to Sir Thomas, to his twin brother, Sir Arthur. It then went to Sir Edward, your grandfather. That was when the Ashford family enjoyed its golden age. It was also Sir Edward's achievements that established the large chemical enterprise, Umbrella Inc. However, 
When Sir Edward passed away and your father, Sir Alexander, succeeded the position, the glorious Ashford family gradually began to sink. I sincerely hope that the Ashford family regains its glory with your guidance, just as this vase continues to shine eternally. Scott Harmon, Butler, Ashford family. Okay, so the sequel of Resident Evil 2002 did come two years later with Resident Evil Apocalypse. The sequel was written and produced by Anderson, but wasn't directed by him as he was spending time uh, ruining two other film properties with Aliens vs. Predator. Um, and instead, <laughs> Alexander Witt stepped up to direct. <laughs> <laughs> Apocalypse oh, yeah. opened at number one in the United States on September 10th, 2004, where it grossed over $23 million in its opening weekend. The film also opened at number one in Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, the Philippines, and Mexico, and went on to earn $129 million yet again worldwide against its slightly larger budget of $45 million. It has the lowest rating of the franchise on Rotten Tomatoes at a nice round 20%. So, we'll do the same thing again, go around what was everybody's first reaction to this sequel. Let's start with uh, Jordan. Right, so, again, knew that it was floating about, um, but I'd only seen trailers. I hadn't actually watched, you know, the film, and mm -hmm. I really didn't make any kind of effort to go see it because i kind of could see well it's doing its own thing it's like introducing other characters and that but yeah i just i just remember seeing snippets of um you know just more familiar faces you know like jill like nemesis but the most the most potent memory i have is just i think it was in one of the trailers and it's just alice running down the side of a building sonic adventure style <laughs> and i thought oh <laughs> is that what Resident Evil is in Hollywood? <laughs> mm, we will definitely get to that. Uh, Steve, what did you think? Oh, okay. Right. So, I have a conflictive history with this film. Through college, a, uh, an old girlfriend really, really insisted we watch this film every weekend because <laughs> she had a thing for, I want to say Mila Jovovich, but... You know, it was, it was a thing. So I have seen it many, many times. And it's kind of grow grown old on me. So there's that. However, I would say, not to tip my hand a little, it's, it's the second strongest of the Resident Evil films, but it's also effing terrible. <laughs> James, what do you think? Um, so when I first heard of this film, because I don't think I rented it out immediately or anything, I wasn't interested because... Yeah, I just didn't. I think the mo the thing I was most interested in was Nemesis. But the first thing I noticed was, wow, Jill's in this. Wait, so who's Alice? <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> you know, that's pretty much the first thing I came to. And then every time I've watched this film, probably a good nine, ten times now, right? Because wow. I'm trying to figure out, or my my brain was trying to figure out who Alice was. <laughs> and again, it's going to be the James the podcast. Who's Alice? Basically. <laughs> There's a song we can't play because of that. <laughs> <laughs> and Adam, what about you? Um, this film is excellent. 
<laughs> I, I'm not joking. I love this movie. This movie, and don't get me wrong, it's trash, but it's all the best kind of trash. Mm-hmm. After the first movie, and kind of not really knowing what I was getting into when I watched it, and then being obviously disappointed because it was, it was just kind of like very generic and very dull. This movie like took that and was like, oh, then we're just going to give you exactly the trash you think it is and that's what they did they gave us a trash movie but it's one of the most enjoyable movies to watch because it's so much fun like i love this movie this should be 80 percent on rotten tomatoes i don't care (laughs) (laughs) you go make an account and leave a review adam yeah 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 i will go make an account says (laughs) in your own name please yeah Yeah, not in ours two thumbs up My, this I have... is the first. This is the first movie to be inducted into the FA Spray Pod <laughs> Movie Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have a weird history with this one as well because I remember watching it a lot when it came out and having the same kind of conflicted feelings that I would have had about Resident Evil Four at the time. In that I can, like, I feel like I enjoy it, but I also feel like I shouldn't. Um, and over the years, with not watching it, it's been easier for me to trash talk it. And there's still bits in here that just really just drive me crazy with how stupid or awful they are. But at the same time, and maybe it's a nostalgia thing, when I watched it back, for all the terrible notes I took, I enjoyed a, like little bits of it, definitely. Like, definitely. So, starting with some strengths, some, some actual strengths, to be fair, not just the silly stuff. The casting in this film is pretty good. Uh, the actress they got to play, Jill, does a decent job. I'm not really uh, a fan of the sternness that she's written with, but in terms of casting, it's fine. You have uh, Jared Harris in it. He's he's wonderful. He's wonderful in everything he's in, like The Expanse and stuff like that. He's always like this magnanimous kind of actor that you're drawn to. Doesn't get enough screen time, but he's wonderful in this um, as Dr. Ashford. And you have Thomas Kreshman making another great bad guy as the sort of evil German dude that they always have. Um, in terms of the bad casting, <laughs> my friend made a joke once that Carlos Oliveira, and this is, he's so non Latin, they might as well have called him Clive Olive. <laughs> he's just generic American action hero. And the Nikolai character they have, who's just in Nikolai in name, his accent, watching it back, oh my god, his Russian accent. It switches, is, doesn't it? It's so it bad. It up two times. Yeah, well, he's it Canadian. It's because he's actually Canadian. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously the standout character of the whole film is LJ with every quotable line ever. All of he his lines. He crashes his car. Yeah. He crashes his car looking at zombie boobies. Yep. Like, so good. <laughs> He's got so that many. never happened in Resident Evil 4. <laughs> He's got so many quotable lines that I remember watching this film several times with friends, and we would just repeat those lines, some of which I've said at the beginning of the show, to each other. They became like memes among our friends group just like sorry i usually drive a cadillac stuff like that it's so dumb but they're they're really great quips (laughs) which makes it more interesting because i mean i've probably you're the imdb guy there's an interesting fact about his character adam i don't know if you've picked up on this if you watched it with the factoids um the factoid that i was presented that he was originally supposed to be played by snoop dogg yeah i didn't know that until now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what's that about 
<laughs> How good would that have been if it was Snoop Dogg? I like Mike Epps, don't get me wrong. So he did a good job. Mm. But oh my goodness, if that was Snoop Dogg, this movie would have just got his fifth star. It would be way up. <laughs> Uh, uh, his his character, his casting, and certain swathes of this film just screamed 1995 to me. <laughs> um, it just it, it you know it kind of felt like that kind of almost silliness that you get in things like Independence Day and stuff, where it's like it's dealing with some kind of large scale crisis, but there is this comic relief that is just s- so silly and like is chewing the scenery mm. um that it, it, it takes you out of it every time but at the same time is very endearing like it was one of the characters which it's like you could relate to the most because it's kind of like well he's taking it about as seriously as the film should be taken yeah i think to be honest this is a crazy thing if you took that character out the film would be so dry and awful um oh, he really really contributes a lot to it in the strangest kind of way Sure, it doesn't feel particularly Resident Evil, but as a film, it actually, yeah, it, the comic relief that he adds is really, really potent. You know, you know what this feels like. It feels a bit like um, a lot of kind of like modern video game sequels, where the first uh, first game is a little too serious, something like Watch Dogs, mm. and then when they get to Watch Dogs Two, they kind of loosen it up a little bit. They kind of add a bit more sort of like color to the characters and the scenes, and just play around with it more and just have a bit more fun with it. It's like, understand that there is a bit of schlock to savor. And that's what this film feels like. It feels like the, the first, the first one was sort of treated semi seriously. Like it wasn't too hokey yet. And then this film just decides, look, just sit back, turn off your brain and have fun. It's 90 minutes of explosions. Do you think it would have done better if it had been marketed as a parody versus what it actually was trying to be? (laughs) It's a weird one because this is obviously the film where they start bringing in actual um, game universe references like Jill and Carlos. You've got the stars, uh, the UBCS soldiers, Nemesis. I mean, the whole Raccoon City incident here is yeah, obviously this this film is the is first based on Resident like, Evil. 3. Resident Evil. Mm. Yeah, it, this, this, yeah, it feels much more like Resident Evil. Uh, even, I think it's not even really obscure references, but for the main audience who wouldn't pick up on Dr. Ashford, obviously being a nod, it's not anywhere remotely related to it, but just using the word and stuff like that, using the name. Um, And obviously Nemesis being the big draw point. Uh, Yeah, I don't know how to feel, but I still don't know. We're talking about it now and I still haven't made my mind up how to feel about this because I'm complimenting all that. (laughs) But then there's that scene where Nemesis is chasing Alice and they jump over a metal fence and then bounce off an exploding car. And it's like, wait, (laughs) what? They both both activated moon jump cheats. Your rocket jump. How else do you think Resident uh, Nemesis gets around Resident Evil 3? He just jumps. <laughs> and this is probably, I guess, getting back to what we were talking about with the first film, where it, it does become the Alice show completely. And Sonny said on the server quite accurately that Apocalypse notice how every moment that Jill has is immediately stolen by Alice. Uh, not even just by having Alice in place of Jill, but literally Jill partaking in the moment and midway through it becomes Alice's moment uh, to the end of it. So that's, that's a really good point. Like Some characters don't get a chance to get off the ground because of the Alice obsession. Anything oh yeah, you absolutely. Do, you can do better. Wait, that's not right. Is <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the graveyard scene, the, the 
match oh, scene match or whatever. Block. I think that, that church scene sums up quite a lot, though, because it's like it's tense. There's liquors trying to kill everybody. And then all of a sudden, music starts blaring and a motorcycle plows through the window. Right. And it's just loud. Exactly. I was, I was just going to say, because there is some actual <sighs> atmosphere up until that point. You get the characters wandering around in the dark, you know, being hunted and this kind of thing. And then, yeah, suddenly, motorbike crashes through a strained glass window and it all goes to hell. Yeah, the second Alice and appears, it's time for violence now. <laughs> Have fun. And they, they, they do such a good job in that scene with the... Um, in stark contrast to the first film with the liquors, like the way they use them in the shadows, they're fast, so you don't really see them too much on the mm. screen. When you do see them, you see them through the reporter character's camera, which allows them to be a bit more fuzzy. Um, so I feel like they learned a whole lot. Like They did a really good job in, with the liquors in that scene. But you can see it from the liquors' point of view, which makes no sense, as they don't have eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you see their brain brain. sense. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) But Jill, she even Jill even says, like uh, going back to the original subject, like Jill even says to Alice, um, "I can't even do everything you're doing." Like she even pulled, Mm. she even pulls Mm. everyone's attention about it, which is uh, pretty funny because Jill was, even though she's a main character in the game, she's very much a a tag along. I'm saying her yeah. first introduction to the film, she literally walks into the police precinct and starts executing people left and right. right. So she's very <laughs> different from Game Jill. <laughs> you know, she gets to the point a bit fast. Mm. Also, well, the well, newspapers when you kind of when when you when you're kind of introduced to her, they do this cut where they show some newspaper clippings of like Jill Valentine, like you know, uh, dismissed or whatever, or like um, put on leave. And if you pause that, which I did, um, and read it, it actually says, like, due to the Arclay Mountain incident. So they're actually, like, referencing the first game by saying, like, oh, they still were at this mansion even when Alice was, I guess. Um, And that's why she was um, on leave. Like, they they thought she was crazy. So uh, that's that's an interesting little tidbit. Does that mean Peyton's Chris? <laughs> he's uh he's Black Barry Burton. You know, yeah. which is actually, you know, a thing because Barry was going to be black in the Romero script as I learned recently, which is <laughs> all of the kettle of fish. But yeah, I mean, it's it's weird that they would reference something like that almost to try and tie it to the games when it was so it was ideal that it was separate before because they'll do references yeah, like yeah. that. But then they'll also just completely disregard what Resident Evil is and you'll have zombie boobs. You'll have zombies coming out of the ground for no reason at all, which, like, that doesn't really make sense um, in terms of the what the T-virus is. Like, okay, they don't really explain that scene and then they're just moving right along afterwards. It changes depending on its environment side. Oh. The, film, the first film established this, so it can now become a magical burrowing virus and get through <laughs> caskets and reactivate zombies from beyond the grave, not just affecting the recently deceased. Yeah, come on, Sai. Fifty years gone. I'm sorry, my my Get on my deep law. Rewrite my, Resi first. That's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> although according to IMDb, although never addressed specifically, the infection had already started since the events of the first film, as the Red Queen had stated. The virus can change form during the time span between the two films. The virus had spread from the hive 
to the subterranean area of Raccoon City, apparently via the ventilation system, explaining how the undead rose from the cemetery. <laughs> then everything, wow. everything that Red Queen did in the first film was friggin' Point pointless. Yeah, what? <laughs> what was the point? Oh, can, <laughs> That's not she will stay of the art. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> she can learn except the how to shut the vents. <laughs> how many people were buried in that cemetery, not in cast? About <laughs> All 20 of the people. people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can mean, I just touch on one thing before please. we go on? Because this, yeah. this is something that uh, the film breaks its logic a lot like this. For example, they'll send in seven guys to reopen the hive, and then the space of 20 minutes, having broke and realized, oh no, stuff's getting loose, they can erect a full city perimeter wall. <laughs> but they, yes. they can afford to do that, but they can only send seven guys into the hive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they said off. like every exit from the city is blocked, and I was like, "How a city is not a thing that has a defined like, mm. like it doesn't have a wall around it." Like I didn't. That was weird. Very quick. They played Command and Conquer. It's fine. <laughs> well, the way the way the way the film starts as well. The way the film starts is uh, you see st- like suburban kind of estates, and then when you have like a an air kind of bird's eye view of the thing. It doesn't have any of those suburban states. <laughs> none of those states are there. So I don't, yeah. So, I mean, the, the virus is out there already. There's no point putting that wall up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point, actually. I didn't even realize that. That's amazing. Here's another one for you. Okay, the, the big nuclear bomb, right? Takes out the city, right? There's even shots of it vaporizing the city. Yeah. Mm. When the helicopter is crashed and is a wreck, do you know what's on the skyline in the background? A fully intact city. <laughs> Damn right. Pardon? They built a new one. What? Oh, this got one spare. Yeah, that's Shelbyville. It's the next town over. Yeah, just add water. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they committed a system restore. <laughs> So uh, the the big sort of like the huge sticking point for me for you know this being a Resident Evil franchise is actually a quote from Anderson himself because on the one hand uh, Nemesis right we're going to obviously talk about this Nemesis has feelings we'll get to that we'll get to Nemesis trying to turn face but also he said. Uh, so this is a quote I think is from IMDb as well, funnily enough. Anderson considered several ways to justify uh, having to reveal the costume in the storyline regarding uh, Jill's uh, miniskirt from the game, such as making it her undercover outfit, though eventually decided to ignore the issue on the grounds that anyone questioning her attire probably shouldn't be watching a Resident Evil movie. So what he thinks Resident Evil is for ogling women, but also Resident Evil has, like, Nemesis has feelings. So how can you say... Oh, don't worry about it. It's just Resident Evil, and then completely disregard something like, "Oh, we have a big monster, but also he loves you." <laughs> <laughs> it's just—it hurts my head. It is. Sorry, I, got a, I got a follow-up factoid for Please. you in terms uh, of the the female attire in the movie. <laughs> so Mila Jovovich was actually very upset about the the attire in the movie. She was like, "Why?" Oh, basically all the ladies are underdressed. Mm. Um, and he didn't have an answer for her, so she was allowed to have input on the script. And it was her idea, which is why you have the newscast at the beginning, for Raccoon City to be in a heat wave. And because Raccoon City is in a heat wave, it's fine to not wear a lot of clothes. You know what's funny about that is 
that's been said to be the game lore as well. I don't know if that came first or afterwards or even if that's canonical, but it definitely comes up is that that September they were having a heat wave in the actual video game. And that's why Jill is dressed the way she is. Um, but again, also people say it's an undercover outfit, so I'm not actually completely sure. I'm sure someone can correct me on that. But uh, it's funny if she came to that conclusion as well as the people that write the canon for the games. Right. In the game universe, she was dismissed, right? She'd thrown a badge in. Uh, yeah. I thought she was just on a day off, so she was just I wearing what she loved to wear. I mean, I mean, no, because by this point in Resident Evil 3, when the game starts, obviously we're many days into the disaster where she's basically still <laughs> right. trying to expose Umbrella and such, and it's all too late, and yeah. So I don't... Yeah, um, I don't... Is, there, is there a reason in the game why she's dressed like that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure what the canonical reason is. It's either the heat wave or it's an undercover outfit. Um, um, someone would have to check on that. But hey ho, so yeah. <coughs> Nemesis then. <laughs> the Terminator Nemesis. with meat wrapped around it. <laughs> sometimes he looks great, sometimes he looks hilarious. Most of the time, I just can't take him seriously. Most of the time, yeah, the close up of his face is generally not bad. Mm, uh, sure. The 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 suit is shockingly rubber. It's Red Dwarf quality. It's that. Yes, that it absolutely. Steve, you just nailed that. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is absolutely Red Dwarf quality, and and another reason why this movie is so good. <laughs> um, on on the subject of uh, Nemesis, I looked up. So apparently, the actor uh, who played Nemesis was like six six foot seven. Wow, the actor, they do not look six foot seven in the film. It looks really short in the film, yeah. um, and the actual height of the <clears throat> excuse me, the actual height of the suit is seven feet three inches. So it's a big suit, um, but it does. Yeah, when you watch the movie, the way they shot it, it sometimes he looks really short. Mm. Yeah, I got that very, very, very stumpy, yeah. and um, very, very awkward. Um, I mean, again, they're not doing a. You know, they're not doing much as far as like a budget. They don't have that much of a budget. But um, yeah, I think you could, I think even on that budget, you could probably get a better costume than that. The thing about the direction with this film is it's difficult to take pot shots at it. I'd feel a little bit bad because the director, this is his feature, first feature film. So. (laughs) Oh, no, I do feel bad. Yeah. I think I think in all other respects it's actually a fairly sort of like competently mm. shot film. Um I think there's actually lots of bits where it's like oh wow this is really refreshing um, you know coming straight off the 2002 film. But yeah I think as far as actually how to film the Nemesis there are a lot of very unflattering angles yeah. to put it one way. <laughs> yeah this is fair. I mean he did quite well in terms of using that budget I think. But obviously yeah some of the Nemesis shooting less so. Um, perhaps, perhaps not though, perhaps, like, it's a weird disparity in this film, um, whereas the first one stays kind of consistent in the way that it ramps up with action, you've got some crazy action scenes, and you have some really downplayed moments, which is a good thing, so I've got to wonder if a lot of budget went on the crazy, as you put it, Sonic Adventure scenes and stuff like that, um, but at the same time, it does lend well to having those slower moments, like the bit like where they're exploring the school, looking for uh, the little girl and stuff. So this game has uh, this film has more of an up and down kind of pace, which is 
yeah, it, it makes for a more interesting film than it being consistently at a baseline level sort of thing. Yeah, but there were so many like really compelling scenarios and sequences, lots of set pieces. Mm. That's what I loved about the film is just that there were so many different points where it was just they were experimenting with it. They understood how to make a you know a, a film like this, how to kind of split up the groups and create the tension and uh, you know have that that pacing to it that makes it enjoyable, makes it a nice ninety minutes. And Alice just bursts through the scene like you know a truck <laughs> through, and whatever whatever needs to be done, uh, Alice does. You know, and is yeah. <laughs> what what is the Alice... most ridiculous moment from this uh, with regards to Alice? What what Alice would you? What was the, the point truck. when you watched and you said that is the single most silliest thing out of this movie that she's done? Ooh. I mean, I mean, but there are so many. <laughs> she she manages to drive a motorcycle through a stained glass window, which is like mm -hmm. way up high. I don't know how she gets it through there, but then revs she, it up into the sky. She <laughs> she jumps off of it. it. This would happen in seconds. So she backflips off of it. It drives forward. It hits a liquor somehow projecting both the liquor and the bike into the air, and that's not how crashes work. Uh, <laughs> but they fly up in the air. As she's falling from backflipping, she fires two shots perfectly, hitting the gas tank yes. of the bike, thus exploding it in an exact column of fire that goes up and down but not sideways, um, and kills the liquor. So basically, that, her first is... moment of the entire film. Yeah, yeah. there's there there is, there is a one moment. It's not like her most ridiculous moment, but it's one of those things where it, again, it was just kind of like the writing and the development of the scenes really did feel like they were just insulting the audience a little bit. There's a point where um, she's got like I think like three soldiers in front of her, and they're saying, "Drop your weapon!" And she like she drops her gun. And then, and then, yeah. and then she, she manages to she manages to fall down and catch the gun and shoot them. And all I was thinking was, if you did that in real time, they fall fast enough to catch the gun and shoot it. Yeah, that's the, the gun is almost, the gun is almost at the floor, but yep. <laughs> she yeah she manages to reach the floor first. Yeah, as as Steve said, all of that's a callback to the Code Veronica opening. So, sadly enough, all that stuff was in Resident Evil games before it was in any film. Uh, her running <laughs> away from the... gun sequence as well, just before as well, just to like lampshade it completely. Yeah, absolutely. They just full on ripped it and put it in the film. For me, I would say the most ridiculous thing, almost to an infuriating degree, is the very end where she self-sacrifices and gets a flying piece of metal through her chest. Um, and then somehow miraculously survives uh, to walk out of the Umbrella Lab right at the end, setting her up for even more um, overpowered superhero stuff as she ends the film with actual superpowers, some sort of oh, like telekinesis. Yeah, where she melts Oh, yeah, that brain. was dumb as hell. Yeah, okay, that... there's, there you go. There's the only negative in this film. That's that... stupid like, <laughs> telekinesis. Don't that... make any sense. It's strange to say that that's where this series jumps the shark, but... <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing is like if you are like umbrella is in in the movies is just a hilarious 1980s robocop style evil corporation <laughs> like they don't have any regard like how much money are they spending 
Like, I'm, think about, like, how they built, like, how did they build that giant hive under Raccoon City? And then the Nemesis and the Alice project are both clearly sort of successful combat modules. The Nemesis goes through, like, so much damage. Like, he gets shot a bunch by the stars. He manages to kill everyone with pinpoint accuracy. It's clearly a success. But then they have to do their weird, like, mustache-twirling villain of, like, let's make them fight each other. Like, no, you spent <laughs> millions upon millions on both different things. Don't make them fight each other. Make them work together, you idiots. That's Mouse. what I didn't understand. I, yeah. I didn't understand the... Uh, I, I didn't understand how they were trying to make two things that obviously they spent a lot of money on fighting each other to see which one's the best. It's like, no, no, this isn't survival of the fittest. You want <laughs> right. gods. You have created it's like, things. It's like if a toothpaste company was like, our toothpaste must fight each other. Like, <laughs> like no, just have both products on the market, you idiots. Uh, I, I th I think it's typically known as sort of cannibalizing your own market, isn't it? And um, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, not a lot makes sense with regards to Umbrella in the films. I mean, they're given such a level of power and ubiquity. Um, obviously, for the convenience of setting up Raccoon City to be the way it is. But yeah, you do have to make some massive mental leaps to try and tie it all together because Raccoon City seems so compromised by Umbrella. Um, for for things that wouldn't necessarily kind of have much of a payoff. I mean, even in the first film, they were talking about like how um, how much something like the T virus could fetch on the open market and stuff like that. And it was like, would it, you know, fetch on it? It's like that latest Jurassic Park film where there's a whole auction for dinosaurs, and it was for like paramilitaries using dinosaurs in combat. And it's like again, you just go say, okay. I, I guess that I guess that could work in a kind of a cartoony fashion yeah. in film. It's just kind of it seems silly when it's trying to relate to the real world. Suspension of disbelief, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. But you like you need so much of that for the umbrella in the films. Where yeah, how do we get to this point where a corporation has this much power and money, and their goals don't they just don't make sense? And how they go about them, like you say, just doesn't make sense. Oh, it's the best thing. It's best thing that they go. Yeah, they don't make any sense. Like, as a evil entity, they just. I don't. I think it's just one dude with a ton of money who's just like, ah, just do whatever, just do anything. It's much. it's so good. <laughs> just imagine the make it rain stance with the money, except it's viral vials just being flung. <laughs> That's their logic. Well, uh, I suppose it's time to go around the room once more and say again, how do we feel about this film having watched it recently as opposed to your initial reaction? Uh, Steve, why don't we start with you? Uh, Resident Evil Apocalypse is a solid 2 out of 10. It's, uh, it's fun <laughs> in, in that if you turn your brain off, you can watch it kind of fun, like Sharknado, stuff like that. But as a Resident Evil film, it is absolutely awful. It, they co-opted the the best, in my opinion, Resident Evil incident, the Raccoon City incident, in the worst way possible, and resolve it again with a nuclear bomb that doesn't work. I liked the villain. Uh, I can't remember his name. The evil German dude is like mm. a bootleg Wesker. Uh, Doctor Ashford was okay, I suppose, as Doctor Doom. Mike Epps saves any moment he's in. Yep. Uh, Carlos is strange. He can repel from 
helicopters and fire desert eagles at a good 100 meters away and be an expert marksman, but then can't hit his friend to save his life. Uh, it's, it's a peculiar film. I, I, I can't help but enjoy it and hate it in equal measure. And I really, really don't understand how it got a sequel, except for money. Well, let's go from one end of the spectrum to the other. Adam, sum up your feelings on Apocalypse, please. It's the best. I love it. I absolutely love this movie. The first time I watched it, I was 100% in Steve's camp, to be honest. I, you know, I was like, oh my god, this movie is trash. But then when I rewatched it, I was like, oh my god, this movie is trash. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> It's it's I mean it's great. It it is really a great movie. Um, in in the fact that it is trash, it's one of those movies that if you sit down and watch this with a couple of buddies, you are gonna laugh all the way through it, and you are gonna genuinely have a good time. I believe. Um, for Resident Evil, it's definitely no good. It it kind of walks over a lot of the 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 what we see as Resident Evil. And again, it's the Alice thing. Alice is the truck from beginning of Resident Evil 2 that just drives through everything. Um, that's Alice. It should just have Alice written on the side of that truck. Um, she definitely ruins it. And it's the, the Superman problem. The same problem that you have in... I mean, I read comics. I know a lot of you guys don't with Superman, which is just like, how do you make interesting the like the unbeatable guy? And you just can't. She's not interesting... And she doesn't have any character, really. Her character seems to be, I'm kind of like somewhat mad all the time, but we don't really know what she's mad about. <laughs> and she'll kill everything. <laughs> she can kick, she kills zombies by kicking them in the head. But their head doesn't break. So she has a kick that can liquefy a brain, but not break a skull. Like, she has, like, I don't even know. She's trash. I hate her. So yeah, if if you took her out of the movie, this movie probably I don't know if it would have won an Oscar, I'm not sure. But if she wasn't well, in it, it would be a lot more interesting and a lot more fun, I think. But that's just my opinion. James, what do you think of Resident Evil Apocalypse? <laughs> uh, uh I so I mean going back to what I said earlier, I was excited when I seen that it was a sequel to the first one, because obviously I, the only game I'd played was Resident Evil Nemesis at this, this time. And I was like, Oh, it's something I actually recognize. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I didn't, yeah. I didn't like Nemesis. Every time I seen him, I, he looked like he was being directed by a crew behind him and in front of him. It's like, now just go over there. Now go over here. Like a Pac-Man. Um, <laughs> and then I've said it before. Don't like Alice. Um, don't know why she's in it. Um, again, going back to like Umbrella stuff, in the games, there's a reason why they're doing it. There's always some mad dude or the T-Virus taken over or, you know, has addled with their brain in some way. But there's no reason in these films. There's no reason in Apocalypse. Um, if I could choose a favorite character, probably LJ, Mike Epps again. Um, he's he's amazing, but yeah, I and uh, it's going on what Steve said earlier. He said that um, it's kind of something you can stick on and forget about. I've watched it a lot of times, and about halfway through it, I tend to fall asleep or I just forget <laughs> that it's actually on, and then I wake up when like a big explosion happens. Normally, right at the end when the nuke, ex you know, when the nuke happens. But yeah, <laughs> don't 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 particularly like it that much. <laughs> 
Now you're like making me wish that Alice wasn't the main character and that Kaplan survived the first film and it becomes the Kaplan and LJ show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kaplan. Oh, Miss Kaplan. <laughs> Jordan, your summation of Resident Evil Apocalypse, please. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I have to say that I really enjoyed the film. I mean, there were certainly parts which were just, uh, you know, uh, passable at best. But um, coming from the first film, I, I feel like this one was just a whole lot more self-aware of its cheesiness. And it's it, it, it plays up to it um, rather than, than trying to play it straight and, and, and keeping it serious. It's also got a very decent pace to it. Um, you know, off the bat, you know, you're seeing zombies within minutes as opposed to like half an hour. And um, you're introduced to a lot of the main characters within the first 10 minutes. It's got a very strong first 10 minutes. Um, and so the rest of the film um, gets sort of complimented by that uh, as, you, as you go through it, because then it can just get straight into the sequences and the set pieces and just generally take you on a ride. And so that it was it was maybe a six out of ten which is probably going it's going above and beyond to be quite honest but i would say if the first film was maybe like a three out of ten there's six out of ten because i i watched it and even for the things that didn't work that didn't hit because they were just so schlocky there was enough to enjoy from it i would actually watch it again and i'd probably watch it with friends as well because it's one of those things that you can kind of riff on and just generally have mm. some some fun with i think again the ending again is very sequel baity um, and and if there's one you know aspect, well, sorry, there's two aspects I don't like. As we as we discussed, does harm the film. You know, if you took her out of the film and you made the main focus, the main point of view, Jill, um, all of a sudden the, the the film actually starts feeling like a Resident Evil film, uh, and and a lot of those uh, set pieces and plot points could still work exactly the same down to uh, the escape from the city and stuff. But uh, obviously that wasn't the case, and Alice exists throughout this whole series. Um, and, and so she is just sort of... She's almost like this separate oddity throughout the film that you just have to kind of accept is, is there and will do ridiculous things that you can at least laugh about and have some fun with. I do think the other, the other thing that I didn't quite like was that John Anderson, again, is that he kind of so it's in the plot to just try and appear a bit more clever uh, even right at the end even in the last 10 minutes you couldn't have just um alice facility no she she has to like <laughs> become like some character from the matrix that's <laughs> super overpowered and can do telekinesis and that you can't just have her friends uh, break her out in what appeared initially as some kind of clever way of just kind of infiltrating Umbrella and then getting Alice back out. No, you can't have that. She's then got to be remotely activated as some kind of double agent, and that's how we finished the film. And it was things like that are quite frustrating, but I feel like Anderson's there with a little wry smile and he's, he's kind of typing that out because he's thinking, aha, that's a little clever moment. And it's like, yeah, but you've had about moments in the space of five minutes and they're all negating each other mm. they're all making the rest of them kind of look a bit sort of throwaway. and yeah when the when the film actually does deal with plot and not explosions that that's where it does fall down but it doesn't do that it just kind of sticks to the action and just 
just has fun with it. The 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 monsters are are pretty good. I thought like the whole liquor sequence in the church was actually as close to Resident Evil as I was expecting from this film series. Well, it's funny because, uh, yeah, that's probably as close as to Resident Evil as the whole series is going to get because from here, things just get wilder and wilder. And funnily enough, actually, yes. now that you mention it, all this sort of like ending on a cliffhanger is just something that happens throughout the series and they get progressively more or like nonsense. And also, since we talked about the first one kind of having the exposition at the beginning... This one has it too. There's no clever way to set up the film. We literally have Alice just telling you what happened, which is later revealed to be like shown her recording that sequence. But all the same, they're just catching you up with a monologue at the beginning. It's not overly clever. Um, and then again, it's not a particularly clever film. I do like it from the nostalgia uh, kind of way that I said before, as mentioned, watching it with friends and making fun of it and quoting the ridiculous lines and something about that that I will really enjoy but as a film it's it is still trash you're all going to die down here Okay, so in lieu of a bite-sized discussion this week, we're going to do something slightly different. We're going to try something out and see if it works. Um, those of you who follow us on Instagram will have seen a post from a little while ago where I was going through some old stuff of mine, and I came across a homemade choose-your-own-adventure book that I made uh, when I was... I probably, it was honestly about the time that that first Resident Evil film came out, probably. I was very young, probably not even a teenager. Uh, so I have it here, all stapled together, um, so we're going to try and do this terrible choose your own adventure book. <laughs> so let, let me begin <clears throat> and we can laugh at how terrible. And oh, I'm keep, so excited. Keep I in mind, smile on my face. Keep in mind my history, like at this point when I was a Resident Evil fan, I knew very little generally. I'd played the second game. I played the first game a little bit, um, and I don't even know. Maybe I played Resident Evil 3. I don't know. So there's going to be like mistakes. So, for example, even to begin with, Leon S. Kennedy, Chris Redfield, Claire Redfield, Jill Valentine, and you have returned to Raccoon City. So a smoldering okay. crater, I guess. But when you get there, they find the town overrun with zombies and horrible mutations. Leon, Chris, and you walk forward and suddenly a car was thrown behind you. So now you are split up. <laughs> Leon takes right and Chris takes a left. If you follow Chris, uh, go to page six. If you follow Leon, go to page three. So, James, since you're our guest, please make the decisions for us. Page, are we following Chris or are we following Leon? Well, I've got to follow Chris. <laughs> okay. Chris takes his way and you and Leon follow. In front of you is a big metal gate you go through. On the other side is a passage with a manhole on the other end. As you walk forward, your eyes pay attention to a door. Attention is spelled A-T-T-I-O-N. Action! Wait, wait, wait. Your, <laughs> your eyes pay attention. Your eyes pay attention to a door. <laughs> so... If you go through the door, go to page 21. If you carry on to the manhole, go to page 5. 
I've, I, it's a door. I mean, go go through let's it. Let's go to the door. All right, let's go to page twenty-one. Your eyes did pay attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the page that I was really hoping we'd get to. I'm going to have to explain this afterwards. Before you can move, you are ambushed by a horde of zombies. When dead, you decide to set up camp. When <laughs> I assume I meant the zombies. When, when a weevil... You just kill a horde of zombies. Yep, just like that. When a weevil comes up a staircase and mutates. So this, what I mean by weevil, is the gene mutant from Resident Evil 2. This is a long-standing okay. conversation where I don't know where the word weevil comes from. I think it was in a strategy guide or something. I, That's I the little bugs in the vent, right? No? Possibly. I, honestly, I have no idea where that word came from, but that's what I Sorry, associated. Not, not taking a like, you know, younger sigh. No, no, it's fine. Steve, it doesn't make it any less glorious. I know. I have, I have <laughs> no idea. So this has become a joke, <laughs> like a joke between me and Sherwin. Where this came from to the point where he would just call like the gene mutant the weevil now. So, okay, so your choices are kill the weevil or run away from the weevil. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, I'll, uh, I'm Chris, I've got to kill, I've got to kill it. It's Chris Red, I'm Chris yeah. Red. Yeah. All right, let's, let's say Kill Chris that the weevil. weevil. <laughs> oh, no. You start oh, shooting, God. but it comes towards you too fast. Slash the end. <laughs> No! <laughs> reload, reload. <laughs> Keep your finger on the page. Go back. Ink ribbon. Somebody. <laughs> uh, let's see if I can find the door page. We'll go back to where the weevil were attacked, yeah? <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Right, so we're going to choose to run away from the weevil this time. Let's find that. This is either great or terrible listening. I don't know. You run for your life and close the door where it came from. Down here is dark and damp. A old door leads outside, but you may need more weapons. Do you carry on or do you go outside? I don't know. No, wait. What? Does what? That it's mean? the same yeah. choice. <laughs> yeah. Well, we obviously need more weapons because size child awesome foreshadowing says if we open the door, we're in trouble. So we should carry on, I think. Yeah, we, we should get the weapon. Go to the weapon page. <laughs> Go to the weapon page. <laughs> you walk down some stairs until you hear a scream and a hole smashes through the roof. Did you carry on or go up the hole? Sorry, what did I hear? Up the hole. <laughs> do you carry on up or the you... hole? <laughs> go up the hole. I can't. <laughs> Sorry, your choices are carry oh, wait, on stop. or up the hole. Stop, stop, stop. Paul W.S. Anderson, if you are listening to this, this is size script. This is not for the next Resident Evil movie. Okay? This... If there is one person going up a hole in the next movie, we're coming at you with everything first aid spray has got. <laughs> Our team of lawyers. We're going to send Steve at you. He does own Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> Facebook Steve's coming directly for you. This book is such a waste of paper. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> It's glorious. Um, it's amazing. You want to go up the hole? Got it. Well, I think Damn you right. up the hole. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, this is getting you're getting. I must. You must be getting close because you keep surviving. You jump through as you crawl forward. You you realize you have dropped your bow gun, which you apparently had. You go to grab it when you also see the magnum. You take and fall down. <laughs> you take and fall down. And then the choices are go outside or carry on down the passage. 
I think we're ready to go outside now that we found the, the magnum, right? That's clearly what we needed. <laughs> Let's go outside. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. You, you, run out, <laughs> you run outside and climb aboard the cable car. Cable car. <laughs> <laughs> to the lab. You enter the lab and hear a snarl. If you fight it, go to page 22. If you run, go to page 25. So I'm fighting a snarl. A snarl. Yeah, <laughs> one of those vicious snarls. Uh, we, were, we got a magnum. We'll fight it. Yeah, we haven't got anything to worry about now. All right, we'll fight, fight everything. Fight the snarl. <laughs> so you kill it, whatever it was, <laughs> <laughs> and grab the G-virus, which you apparently were looking for. <laughs> you throw down a pit. <laughs> this is great. I'm so glad I didn't proofread this. <laughs> now your your choices are exit the building or search the other rooms. Uh, we should search. All Maybe right. we get two magnums. <laughs> <laughs> you run to the next room and you see a giant monster. Did I just run out of uh -oh. POWs? A giant monster. Do you kill it or do you run? Same choices as always. I mean, we've got Magnum, so I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair. Oh, no. You find some other guns and use whatever you've got. It comes towards you and you... Well, it's pretty sad. You've got all this way. Dot, dot, dot. The end, question mark. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the choice was to kill it, side, Not <laughs> to fight. <laughs> True, bad wording on my part. Let's say you elected to run. You run from it out into the open. You get in a helicopter outside and say goodbye. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> Apparently I couldn't, I couldn't decide on a word here. Your problems are over. <laughs> Where's the rocket launcher? Problems. How has no one ever memed problems before at this time? <laughs> Troubles and problems? That's a severe case of the problems. Your problems are over. Except this. Ah! Ah! The thing shouts angry. You escape wait, your is it horror. Because, wait, 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 stop. I, I just, I, we completely glossed over saying, you're running away from a monster. You get in a helicopter <laughs> and you just say let, goodbye. You just say let it live. You say goodbye to the monster. Goodbye. <laughs> this is the pacifist Resident Evil run. We let the monster live. <laughs> Oh man, that was it's so not worth that it. We killed that snarl earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, whatever that was. It, I wish there was a sequel. I really do because that was incredibly well, so entertaining you're the only for one me. That can make that happen. <laughs> Let me just hop back in time. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> that was nothing, wonderful. I'm so glad we did that. Nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. One way to get in touch is to email us, fasprayfod at gmail.com. But of course, the best course of action is to join our Discord server, where you can also ask questions for future bite-sized discussions, or contribute, choose your own adventure books of your own, discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. The link to the server is in the description of this podcast and on all of our social media. Media profiles. You can follow us on Twitter at FA Spray Pod, on Instagram at FA Spray Pod, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash FA Spray Pod. You can find the podcast on
on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, then please do leave us an iTunes review if you can. It helps spread the word. Our next episode will hopefully be the 20th anniversary of Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, just around the corner in September. So look out for that. Should be dropping on the day of its release, if we can make it happen. Thank you to the panel. You can follow us all individually. I'm at Siniac underscore 123. Steve is at Firebutton Games. Jordan is at Serialbox64. James is at Moist Owlet OFF. And you can find Adam on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Mr. Lucky Paint. And finally, thank you for listening. And hopefully you have a trob. What was it? Trob. Problem. Problem. No free week. Finding up. Yeah. No <laughs> problem here. <laughs> Tara. <laughs> Bye. book needs a sequel it needs it needs really, an anderson verse sequel I, I really wish i'd done one because it says can you survive your your horror book one there's no reason you can't you just because you're not a kid anymore don't mean you can't do a sequel it's not so gonna be come on nearly get the whole good. google translate bit throw it into like japanese <laughs> throw it to English. it'll butcher the language just as well <laughs> i yeah i was right. probably like i don't know 11 or something that's still pretty cool, though. I think it was funny. Write an, another one that's sort of based in the Anderson verse, and rather than playing as one of the survivors, uh, you actually play as one of the zombies trying to eat the survivors. Live, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say you do it from the perspective where you're, at, and each choice is just some ridiculous ability, <laughs> but there's no way you die, no matter what you choose. You just do the best thing. That's a fantastic. No matter what you choose. No matter what you choose, Alice just shows up and does something else instead, like bunch <laughs> money bursting through the scene. But you know what? We've got two more episodes of Film Club. That definitely needs two more Choose Your Own Adventure books. Definitely. Oh, absolutely! I'm going to yes. write one for you. Oh, okay. I'm writing a... Hell yes! I'm going to write do, a Choose Your Own do. Adventure, and it is going to be ridiculous. <laughs>